To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Armors Podcast, episode 84. The Opinionated Bench Armors are back for another edition of the podcast. We want to start off by thanking all the listeners and followers on O underscore Bench Warmer. We've gained some followers. Welcome to our journey. And we thank you for everybody that has been commenting on our posts, everybody that has uh, shared a kind word about how much they enjoy listening to us and our insight into sports. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite sports podcast, Opinionated Benchwarmers. It can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. So if you haven't done that, go ahead and do that. We got more merchandise on the way. You see I got on the hat right here. You see Ramon got on the OB shirt. Los just chilling in his, with his regular <laughs> swag on, but that's all right, though. He got, he got a lot of merch, too. He just took a day off. But we in here. And we appreciate all the love and support. Be on the lookout for that link when we drop to pre-order all the merchandise that you see that we have on. What's up, fellas? I'm not going to waste anybody's time. It's post-Super Bowl. We're going to talk about it. I got Carlos here with me. I got Ramon here with me. And the voice you're hearing right now is Rob. What's up, fellas? How y'all feeling? Let's do it, man. I'm ready to rock, ready to get into it, jump straight into it, man. Yeah, man. Same here, bro. I'm feeling good. Ready to just get the conversation going. Always good time with my bros, man. So let's get right into it, man. Los, you about to go in like it's your shift, huh? Oh, yeah. Can't wait. The reason why I'm nudging Los because we came out with our Super Bowl predictions. Me and Ramon chose the Kansas City Chiefs. And, I mean, hats off to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They dominated from start to finish. The Kansas City Chiefs weren't ever in the game. It never was close. Um, Lowe's did pick the Bucks to win initially. Um, I mean, it's a lot that we can unpack here. We, we'll just start off with the outlook of the game here, fellas, and what you saw maybe that led to this dominant win and, you know, just some things that maybe some insight that the listeners may have missed when they watched the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, the reason I chose the Bucks is their defensive line. You know, we if you – the listeners go back and listen to episode 83 uh, when we talked about it. I thought that was the biggest mix, mix match um, in the game, you know, is their defensive line against the Kansas City offensive line who are down three of their top offensive linemen, including Eric Fisher, who got hurt the previous week uh, with an Achilles injury. And then you look at their D line that, you know, features John Pierre, Paul, um, and who features um, – go ahead, Ramon. What'd you guys I was going to say Jason Pierre-Paul. And my bad, got, my bad. You got Shaq Baird and then Dominic yeah. and Sue and, and right. those boys, Vita Vea. Right. So they're very deep, very, very deep on the um, defensive line. I just thought that was the biggest, 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 biggest part of the game that came into it. And then when you look at um, how much – I was looking at some next-gen stats. You know, they actually made – Patrick Mahomes run a total of 497 yards just from scrambling and trying to get away from that D-line that we just spoke, who Ramon just talked about, you know, they're just deep at that position and they've just gotten after the quarterback, you know, and I think the counter to what you guys were saying last week was, you know, you know how long does it take to get the ball to Tariq, Tariq Hill, you know what I'm saying? But if you got those guys – if you got a front seven like they do, not only the D-line, but you got linebackers that can actually run with Tariq Hill, which sounds crazy, who can actually maybe not stop Travis Kelsey, but give him fits, you know, like Levante David did. You know, I think I mentioned that as well. Just, hey, he may not be able to stop Kelsey, 
but he may be able to give him fits, you know, and make Patrick Mahomes hold that ball just a split second longer. That's all it takes is that split second longer, you know, and the defense are on you, you know, and they're causing this trouble and they're causing this. Um, it just didn't look comfortable all game, you know, and Patrick Mahomes made some amazing throws. You know, we know he just had recently had surgery and he needed surgery. He was playing with, you know, a turf toe. But, you know, we got to give your hats off to that defense. That defense, hands down, handle business. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Like you said, that that was really the difference in the game. Honestly, to me, the big difference was, like you were mentioning, in the trenches. And it was really, to me, on both sides, honestly. Because I also felt that their offensive line and the Bucks that I'm mentioning right now got the better of the defensive line uh, for Kansas City and pretty much uh, held them at bay. And as you mentioned, if you can get pressure with that front four, um, and like you said, you said it last week, if you can get pressure with that front four and you're able to drop more guys into coverage, you really saw that they were able to find a way to pretty much blanket everybody else except for, you know, Travis Kelsey. And like you said, they made it difficult for him. His numbers looked great, but everything that he got was tough and was difficult. And um, like you said, man, hats off to that defense. Honestly, I really felt it. And this is no shot at the GOAT whatsoever. No shot at Tom Brady, the GOAT. But, man, that defense was what was the difference in that game, honestly, to me. Um, the way that they play, you haven't seen a Kansas City offense get shut down in that shape, form, or fashion. Uh, to see that offense that's been one of the most prolific offenses that we've seen with one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen um, not even be able to score a touchdown, that was very shocking. Uh, that was very just crazy to see. And I just thought that there were also, two some key pivotal moments you know, kind of the moment of, not that it, it changed it so much, but the moment of Andy Reid deciding to be a little bit too aggressive at the end of the first half, and that resulted basically in Tampa uh, scoring another, you know, touchdown before halftime and putting the game at even a greater distance. And then also, too, I know that y'all might get into it, so I don't want to steal your uh, but honestly, early in that game, too, the officiating was some of the worst that I've ever seen in a game in sports period like not we're gonna just get there yeah we're gonna get so there. yeah so I, i'll hold off on the officiating right now yeah. but that's just kind of the initial lens of the game defense was dominant d-line was dominant Devin white showed out um and so yeah hats off to tampa bay you know hats off to the goat tom brady getting the seventh one as well yeah i mean salute to ty about Bowles. you know i think he's made a case for another head coaching job as you previously knew he had a stint in new york but I mean, I think that any coach that goes to New York, whether it's the Knicks or whether it's the Jets, those are two franchises that you really don't want to go to. Those are franchises that are this, uh, this, this, are in disarray. Uh, they have trouble. Even though the, the Knicks are rolling right now, Coach Thibodeau has them rolling at the moment. But, you know, just traditionally. And I think Todd Bowles really deserves credit with how he has defense ready to play against Green Bay how he had his defense ready to play against uh, Patrick Mahone, which is not easy to do. And I know that I always find a way to bring the Saints into this, but I feel like they really studied how we covered Tyreek Hill during the regular season. And we always had a man over the top, two safeties over the top. And that's what you pretty much have to do to take Tyreek out of the game. And what we realized is that that supporting cast of Miko Hartman, of Pringle and, and Williams and, and uh, I'm missing one, Sammy Watkins. You know, it, it just seems as though that's not enough. It, it, they proved that if you take away Tyreek Hill and then you just keep – keep. I, I, I disagree with Los when he said that, I mean, gave um, Kelsey fits because Kelsey still ate, but they were able to keep everything underneath with Kelsey. They didn't allow Kelsey to break anything big, but he still – he was the only option. It was like, hey, look, you can have Kelsey. We'll keep him underneath. We're not giving you Tyreek Hill. We're gonna make. We're gonna see if Miko can get open. We're gonna see if these others are supporting cats. And to be honest with you, just shifting kind of the, the the climate is that they kind of left Mahomes out there to dry. I know it's not a really a popular opinion. I've seen a couple of opinions of guys talking about how about how Mahomes should no longer be considered uh, phenomenal. That he he's been average in the past two Super Bowls, but. I mean, it's only so much you can do. He still was making amazing throws. He, he was doing everything he can. He left it all out on the field. But I saw guys dropping passes. I saw, 
receivers incapable of getting open. You know, we understand Tyreek Hill wasn't going to get open because they was doubling him every play. But, you know, Kelsey did what he could do. He took what the, what the defense gave him. But I, I think that, you know, just retrospect, I don't think that he was given – I don't think he – I think he was left off the dry on that, on that thing. I don't think he can put that on Mahomes because he tried to make something happen over and over again. So I think it's really unfair to judge Mahomes off of his game because it just was a good scheme against, against his team. And, you know, the Chiefs are going to have to go back to the drawing board and see what they can do to get Tyreek Hill and get Kelsey some help. They got to they gotta have a third guy that's, that's able to step up when their best option is taken away. And I think that they that they also think that they, they should have ran more uh, in the game too. I don't think they ran enough in the game. I guess they couldn't because they were behind the whole time, but you still have to have balance in that game if you expect to compete. But I'm interested to see you guys' thoughts as well about Patrick Mahomes and should he be scrutinized under uh, after his performance this past Sunday? I mean, again, if you look at his numbers on paper, you would say – you know, the, a casual fan would say, yeah, he should be scrutinized. Because, I mean, again, 26 for 49 attempts with two interceptions, sacked three times, you know, with a quarterback rating of 49.9. So, again, looking at those numbers on paper, you'd be like, yeah, he should take some blame for that. But other than that, you know, if you were actually watching the game, like you mentioned, he was making these plays. There were drop play passes. He was almost on the ground and throwing darts and the ball was literally hitting the players in the face in the helmet and they just missing it. You know, and Tariq Hill, even him himself, you know, when he had opportunities, you know, you know, so a lot of those yards and stuff, you just gotta, again, I hate to go back to this. You have to go back to those linebackers, man. I think you have linebackers that can cover sideline to sideline. They took away that game from them. You know, they, again, Ty Bowles was in his bag. You know, we got to give his hats off to him. But Mahomes, again, looking at the numbers, you know, again, you, you would think that, hey, you know, he should take some blame for this. But it really wasn't on him. You know, it really wasn't on him. It's just really I think they put together a good game plan, and he didn't get the help when he did make plays. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree 100%. You cannot put this one on Mahomes. When you're running for your life pretty much the whole game, like Los mentioned, that 497 yards, basically scrambling for 500 yards in a game. You know, he's falling down and, like you said, still throwing darts, basically having some of the best, if not the best, incompletions we have ever seen. Um, some of his throws, even one of them, look like one of them glitches that you've seen on, like, Madden NCAA where the players bent over, falling down, and still throwing a dart. So um, I really think that you you cannot blame him for this. If you're a casual fan that just looks at stats like Los has mentioned, then you'll think that. But I, we all feel that you always in anything, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the NBA, we're all proponents. You actually have to watch the game to truly evaluate how someone played. And you can't just focus on the box score and the stat sheet. And if you watch that game, Patrick Mahomes was brilliant in that game. He was as good as what he could be with those circumstances of that offensive line, like you said, being depleted, the issue that he was having with his toe. And you could see, you know, we didn't think it was going to have that much of an impact, but the amount that he had to run, you could see over the course of the game how it started to affect him. So definitely don't blame this on him at all. This doesn't go as a knock on his resume at all to me. But the only thing that worries me is down the line, years down the line, people don't all details like we just saw them so years down the line when people go back and look they'll look at his first two Super Bowls they'll say okay he won that one and he was kind of shaky in the beginning and then they'll look at the numbers for this and say okay what was going on there without totally paying attention and knowing what went on hey so uh, real quick to add to that you know one thing that worries me too not worries me but you know we've seen before when teams put together a good game plan and pretty much put together a blueprint against an offense that other teams are copycat lead you know um you know you've seen it with the rams before that the patriots what they did in the super bowl to the rams a team that was pretty much leading the league and scoring came to you know the championship game the super bowl and they put together a game plan that blessed the rams two years ago and so i wouldn't be surprised going forward you see teams copy what Ty Bowles did you know they got them during the season where they didn't press pretty much they didn't press Tariq Hill and Tariq Hill ran loose on him for over 200 yards you know we talked about that 
they changed the game plan. They played sideline to sideline. They took away a lot of their easy things. They gave up some things. But they, when it came down to the red zone, they played some of the best ball. You know, as you can see, they only scored nine points and you kicked a lot of field goals, didn't get in the end zone. They played some of the best defense. They, they got down the field, but they could never score a touchdown. Again, hats off the tie balls. Right, and the only the only thing I would add to that as just a, a, a slight note to that, I definitely agree with the blueprint brand out there and the game plan and all of that. What I will say is that going forward, at least hopefully Kansas City won't be in this situation with that depleted offensive line that they were. Um, so if they do are able in the future, if they have those guys healthy and you do have that protection for Mahomes, it can be different. But still, like you said, that blueprint is definitely out there now. And I agree with what both of y'all said. I also agree with what Rob said. There needs to be one more reliable weapon that, hey, at all times you feel, okay, if these two guys are getting blanketed, we can depend on this guy. So I, I agree. Yeah, and it, interesting enough, Ramon, ironically, that's kind of shifts us into our next subject is what I was going to ask is that do you feel like this failure of Patrick Mahomes, I put failure in quote unquote, because of our sentiments that we gave. Do you feel like the failure was more due to the fact that he was playing with backup, two backup linemen, two starting offensive linemen were hurt for him? Or is it more so do you feel as though it was the defense that could be credited uh, for, you know, his failures there? Um, I would say, first of all, I, I'm going to have to give credit to the defense no matter what. Um, because this isn't one thing, just like even Lowe's mentioned in the last podcast, it's not like all of a sudden we just saw this defense play well against Kansas City and play well against Patrick Mahomes. So Ty Bowles has been scheming well throughout this in, these entire playoffs, and that defense play lights out no matter what. So I feel that it's one of those things where I hate that I can't even totally fully just take one side on it because I have to give credit where credit is due for the defense. But I also do feel that, you know, that did play a part in two of the line um, being in up. I even seeing in the third and fourth quarters at times, I saw a guy get blocked. They were rushing forward and guys were still not even getting blocked rushing forward, it seemed like, and coming straight through. So um, I believe that it, it's, it's a part of both. You know, I believe it was going to be a tough night no matter what, based upon the way they schemed against him. So still hats off to Ty Bowles. He schemed in an excellent way, but I also do feel that the line played into it. So I feel like I'm kind of on both sides, but I don't want to just give the excuse and just say it's nothing but the line because I feel like I would be doing a disservice to Ty Bowles if I said that and that total defense. Yeah, man, I'm in agreement with that. I think you have to give, give like you said, give credit there. You know, and one thing going into this game that a lot of people were mentioning, you know, just talking about Patrick Mahomes' legacy, if it was the shoe was on the other foot and he ended up winning this game with his beat-up line or whatever, we'll never heard the end of that. And a legacy, legacy of Patrick Mahomes, nobody would have even mentioned the offensive line or none of that stuff. It would have just been Patrick Mahomes is incredible. You know, so on the other side of that is, hey, yeah, he still had five players in front of him. He couldn't win. You know, they all professionals at the end of the day. No, they're not the best of the best guys. But, you know, that's how it happens. You know, injuries happen. You still have to go out there and put to, put together a game plan to work around those injuries. You know, and obviously, Ty Bowles out schemed, you know, the Chiefs in their offense. So, again, I can't say it enough. Hats off to Ty Bowles. Speaking of the injury, it came out of a report that Patrick Mahomes would have surgery on his toe. Um, he will be ready for the offseason for training camp and all that, but he is having surgery. So that just lets us know that he wasn't 100% in that game, which we kind of figured. He was limping back to the huddle after some plays, and it didn't help that he was getting beat up. But that even adds on to how amazing he played if you actually was able to watch the game. But – you have to give credit to where it is due. Devin White, Levante David, they did their thing. Devin White really displayed what he's good at, and that's from sideline to sideline. And he really displayed that 4-4 speed as a linebacker. Levante David as a cover linebacker did a great job. And Carlton Davis and Winfield, the rookie Winfield, they did a great job in their secondary in keeping Tyreek out of that game. And I mean, all credit goes to Tampa Bay, man. So – here we are. We got Leonard Fournette um, just trying to transform, transform. 
he's had a rough go at it. And what I mean rough go at it is that he was released from Jacksonville and he found himself under, he found himself scrutinized. People were saying that he was washed, that he was trash. But again, Ramon, we always, we always talk about these casual fans that is not watching the game. And at this point, they're not watching his season. They didn't watch last year when he was a great receiver. And I think he had like, what, 70 catches last year? Something like that with Jacksonville. Yeah, it was and, one of his most prolific years. Definitely. Yeah, and, and you know, when you look at Jacksonville, they had no other weapons, so they could load the box on him. So you saw him load the box. Jacksonville knew that he was the only talent that they had, so they ran him into the ground. But as you see in Tampa, fresh legs. And he looked great. Playoff lineage, they have coined the term towards him. And I think that he has lived up to the hype. And I think if it wasn't for Bruce Arians and his – bromance with Ronald Jones, I really feel like Leonard Fournette would have gotten that touchdown when they got stopped, when Ronald got stopped twice at the one. And I think we would have really seriously been considered Leonard Fournette as the MVP of that Super Bowl. But that's neither here nor there. We can't speak on hypotheticals, but let's speak on Leonard Fournette. He gets his first Super Bowl and he will be an undraft. He will be, a, I'm sorry, he will be an um, a free agent, free agent. A unrestricted free agent, meaning he can go wherever he wants to go. Where do you think Leonard ends up? What do you think about his performance this past Sunday? Um, I, I was gonna I was gonna chime in first and I'll see I may defer to Los on this one just because just for the listeners, I will say I happened to see something going on on Twitter a day or two ago. A little um, friendly debate, I guess, between Los and one of his followers. I don't know who he was. So I have thoughts on Leonard Fournette, but I don't know if, if Los, if you want to tackle this first, kind of get into the discussion that you were having. Because um, it was a very interesting discussion, interesting debate. I almost chimed in, but I said, you know what? Los got this one. So, you know, you can yeah. go ahead, Los. Right. So back on August of last year, time frame, you know, I tweeted some things out that, hey, I know it's trendy to one say Leonard Fournette sucks. He's getting cut by his team, by the Jaguars. My argument back then was, hey, he doesn't suck. He's in a bad situation. You know, when he's given opportunity there, he has performed. He has literally been the only thing when he was with the Jaguars, the only offense that they had, you know, and they force fed him. He had a bunch of catches his last year you know, full year with the team. And so, you know, everybody was like, hey, he sucks. He runs in mud, blah, blah, blah. You know, my situation, if you look at the Jaguars, every free agent that left that team, not every, but a good majority of the good players that left that team end up doing better elsewhere. You know, Dante Fowler, Jalen Ramsey, you know, uh, Calais Campbell, you know, everybody except pretty much Bortles, Allen Robinson, you know, um, you know, and Leonard Fournette, obviously he's a champion. So you look at all the talent that they have let leave that team, they end up flourishing elsewhere. And so my argument to him, you know, he said, hey, you know, we went back and forth. He said, hey, he sucks. Look at what he did in the regular season. You know, to me, it was a casual fan response. And the reason I say that is because it's not just, hey, you show me some stats and, yeah, his guy sucked. Okay, what's going on? Is this guy with a new team? You know, is this guy um, still – are they trying to show some respect to Ronald Jones who's been there and let him take the lead first, you know, then the talent runs to the top? So there's a mixture of things that went on during the season. And my point was when the Bucks decided to commit to Leonard Fournette, that's when that team turned around. It was after the bye. I said, hey, after the bye, this team was undefeated. All facts. You know, after their bye week, they went on a streak and they obviously were undefeated in the playoffs. All facts, you know, and then what he did in the playoffs, you know, no player that sucks can do what he did in the playoffs. He's in a rare company of what he did in the playoffs. I think it was like Terrell Davis, um, Larry Fitzgerald, and it was another player, rare company, all future Hall of Famers who scored four touch, scored a touchdown in each of their playoff games and what he did and obviously having a big impact. He didn't just jump on his team and sit on the bench and was a player that didn't do anything to win this championship. He played a huge part in the playoffs, you know. And so, again, I didn't get the point, you know, if, if somebody's going to argue at this point Leonard Fournette sucks, I feel like I'm wasting my time trying to explain to him because, again, he clearly doesn't suck and he clearly can be a serviceable back. I never once said he was a 
all pro or future Hall of Famer, none of that stuff. I just said clearly he doesn't suck. He is a serviceable back. I would definitely take him on my team 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, uh, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, just even looking forward, I think it's honestly going to be what is Leonard looking for on the market? Like, what kind of money is he looking for? If he's just looking for a good situation to be in, I think Tampa would definitely want him back. You know, Tom Brady was influential in getting him there. And we know that if Tom Brady returns, which I guess that, you know, maybe we'll get into it later, but I I mean, I feel like he's coming back. I don't feel like he's going to ride off in the sunset just yet. Um, so I feel like if he returns, he's going to want all of that talent back around him. And um, they believe in Leonard Fournette. You could see even in that game in the Super Bowl, Leonard Fournette is the, the most talented back they have on that team. You know, I, I you know Ronald Jones could come in and spell him at times and give you a little bit. But Leonard Fournette is a very talented running back. And so um, if Leonard is fine with what they can give him financially in Tampa, I say that he stays there. Um, if he's not okay and solidified with that um, a spot, I don't know what the what the Falcons are going to do potentially with uh, Ty Gurley if they feel solidified and what he did or not really in this year. Um, they may decide, hey, they're going to part ways with that, and I could see him maybe staying in the division there and going to a team in Atlanta and having an opportunity there to show that he can be, once again, the number one guy, a feature back. Uh, so that's a, a potential landing spot for him. But I think ultimately, if he's fine with whatever Tampa can do financially, I think they'll want to bring him back. I think Leonard is more of a legacy type guy. I think he has his Super Bowl. I think he will be looking for financial finances or whatever. I'm going to take a shot in the dark without even doing any research on how the cap is working for this team. But I think the Cincinnati Bengals will be a good fit for him. The reason being is that Joe Mixon, he has been injury-prone throughout his whole career so far. He hasn't been too reliable there. So I could I could honestly see a situation where, you know, they bring in a Leonard Fournette. I know they just signed Joe to an extension, but, again, his injuries, the, the Cincinnati Bengals can't be satisfied with Joe Mixon and what he put out in the previous season of being a guy. So I think that's an interesting landing spot. I don't know how it would work with the financials, but I do think that's a – a landing spot. But when I say that Leonard would be ready to move on, I could understand on this aspect too, is that they rolled Ronald Jones pretty much the majority of the season when Leonard got there. Understandably so, I guess, when you got a guy that's trying to learn the system. But at the same time, Leonard Fournette is the mo was the most talented back, had been and always was the most talented back in Tampa Bay. And Ronald Jones can break off runs, and that's good and dandy because he is a decent back, which he proved. But Leonard Fournette is just a talent. And you saw it with his running. He scored a touchdown in each of the postseason games this year, which had which landed him in some elite company. I think Emmett Smith was on that list. And a couple other Hall of Famers were on that list. But I think that that would be, to me, a reason for me to move on. Because Bruce Aarons, even even in that Super Bowl, like I mentioned, you know, you at the two-yard, one-yard one line, you don't give Lenny a shot at that. And you know Lenny, that's what he does. And you know Lenny can score from that from that distance. So I could see a situation where Leonard Fournette say, look, I got my ring. Now it's time to go and prove everybody wrong and prove what I can do. And I think Cincinnati presents an interesting situation, like I say, because I don't expect Joe Mixon to be healthy this year either. If he hasn't been healthy throughout his whole career, I don't see why that would change. And Let's 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 be real. I mean, Los mentioned this to me during the season because Joe would me and you we both had shares of Joe on our fantasy team. And we just said, I mean, just looking at him on the eye test, he just doesn't look like the dominant back that people said he was. So I think that Leonard could find himself in a situation on a on a team where he can be that guy again like Jacksonville, but like Cincinnati, they have talent out there and they're building. Now they have to work on that line, which I think they will do throughout this draft, upcoming draft. But they have the talented court, franchise quarterback. They got the receiver. And they have all these weapons that they're building on their offense. I think that'll be a good landing spot for Leonard. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, one place that I would mention and I think fits the DNA of the team is the Steelers. The Steelers, James Conner is a free agent going into this year. So they no longer have their back. So now they're looking for that smash mile type of running back, which we've seen in their history before 
you know, with Jerome Bettis, right? You know, we've seen that type of running back be in that, um, in that offense and play, you know, for that type of team. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think the, the Steelers want to get back to running the ball. I think they did too much throwing um, this year. And I think, you know, with obviously Ben Roethlisberger, you're going to have to take a pay cut. He's openly came out and talked about that, you know, just to bring some of the pieces back. And with the COVID cap kind of coming up and not being as much as they're projected to be because of, you know, no fans and things like that. Um, I think um, definitely he would be a perfect match with the Steelers. And I can just see him in that, that offense. I can see him playing for Mike Tomlin and I can see him getting the volume there and them getting back to a run first team. Uh, two other spots that I'll throw out, and I definitely agree that that's a, a, some definitely good landing spots for him. Um, I would throw out potentially, you know, I don't know if the fit is totally the best, but maybe a place like Arizona who has Kenyon Drake, who's a, you know, unrestricted free agent. And um, you can put Leonard into that situation, have him in that backfield. You got Kyler Murray there. You have, you know, what you need from a receiving aspect over there. You can bring Leonard into that situation. And then I've also felt, too, that, you know, even though they have two guys in that backfield in Buffalo, I feel that they could have a better running game out there, too. I feel that that was one of the things that was lacking. So Arizona, Buffalo, kind of some potential options out there as well that maybe he can land. So I think that to, to basically say it, you know, with all that we're saying right now, it seems like the market will be there. So it'll be interesting, you know, like we said, to see where he lands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just again, he's a player, you know, he's a he's a baller, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, let's get over this just because a player gets cut doesn't necessarily mean this player is trash. You know what I mean? Let's look at the Jaguar situation. There's a reason that they're picking number one. You know what I mean? Like the situation hasn't been good there. I don't know how you have a team that go to the AFC championship and then start giving up all their pieces. And that team hasn't been the same since. You know what I mean? So, again, the players, because they get cut from a team, does not mean, oh, yeah, casual fans automatically, oh, yeah, this player sucks. I don't want them on our team. They're going to cost too much, things like that. Like, again, money aside, he's a great player. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't mind having him as one, my short yard is running back. My change of pace running, I mean, my, you know, come in and get me three or four yards here and there. You know, everybody's going to the running back by committee. And, you know, and I wouldn't mind having him in the mix of a running back committee. Well, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be – that's one of my free agents that I'm really going to be watching. Leonard Fournette, you see I got my LSU shirt on, LSU alumni. People forget, though, the guy's only 26 years old, so he's fairly still young as a running back. So I expect him to go somewhere and revive his career, be that guy and prove everybody wrong. People forget he was a fourth pick in the NFL draft. So, I mean, what more can you say about the guy? Uh, I wish him all the best. Uh, one of my favorite people in the league and a former LSU alumni. There's nothing more you can say about that. Let's move on. So, Tom Brady, his legacy was already cemented. He's on to his seventh, seventh career, seventh ring that he has. And, I mean, that's more that we can say that any of us have. But when you talk about seven, you're talking about a guy that, collectively has more rings himself than any franchise in the league. So that's really crazy to think about. Uh, I mean, he's a legend at this point. Uh, I think that he did what he had to do. Um, like I said in my previous take, um, which people are probably going to try to kill me, that I said that the old, that the Tom Brady of old has, is wearing off. He is wearing off. I mean, we're not about to sit up here and act like Tom uh, it's just the time that he's always been as far as accuracy-wise and everything like that. But I'll take it. I got tough skin. I'm not sensitive. It is what it is. That's why it's fun fun to watch sports. But I will say that, you know, it's nothing more I can say about Tom. I think he did what he had to do. He managed the game. He didn't make any mistakes. And he did he, – he beat it. You know, that veteran savvy really came in. But to say he got seven rings, that, that just puts him in, in company – he already was there. I mean, I don't, at this point, he's just adding on to it. I mean, you know, he already was the GOAT. But now I don't. I think that this ring, I think it's less and less people are going to be able to argue, argue against his legacy and what he is. And I think that he's the GOAT. I think he's the best to ever do it. Um, and I think I don't think it's, it's debatable at this point. Um, it does lead to an interesting conversation of the Mount Rushmore of athletes across all sports uh, uh, and 
who would we have on that list? I'm not going first. I'm going to let Carlos go first and just go through it and tell you who's the Mount Rushmore pretty much the goats many, across all many, sports. How many are we putting on here? We got four of you. Mount Rushmore got four of you. Top four. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Somebody so didn't pay attention in social studies. How many we got up here? <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go boxing, Muhammad Ali. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go uh, golf. I'm gonna go Tiger Woods. I'm gonna go basketball, Michael Jordan, and then you obviously gotta go Tom Brady. Okay. Okay, wow. I'm surprised you still gave the nod to MJ because, you know, you've been talking a lot of LeBron on this podcast. Let me get in there. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. It's going, I mean, ask me in five years and it might be LeBron right there. I wouldn't be mad at you. I wouldn't be mad at you. I'm going to slide in there. I'm going to put Serena on there. I'm going to put Simone Biles on there. Oh, you took my, you you took my, (laughs) MJ got to go on there. MJ. And then... It's between Tiger Woods and Tom Brady for me. As far as when I look at Mount Rushmore, I'm talking about impact. I'm talking about complete, absolute dominance. So, um, did I say MJ? Yeah, you said MJ. Okay, I said out of Tom and uh, Tiger. Um, I got to go Tiger, man. I'm, I'm going to go Tiger. Tom now on my Mount Rushmore. And I can give reasoning behind it, too, because – Again, when you talk about pure dominance, it was Tiger and the rest of the field in his prime. He completely dominated. I mean, you know, in in his in his field. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to leave Tom off, but it's only four spots. So I'm gonna go Tiger with that. Man, okay. bro, you just you and the Tom, man. Yeah. What, time. man? <laughs> what? Can't just put time in none of it. What, man? I said he the goat. What else you want from yeah, me? No, no chance, but. I mean, I should appreciate this Black History Month and all my Mount Rushmore. They all black people. Okay, okay, we'll we'll give you that. We'll give you you that one. Uh, I think y'all pretty much have covered mine, man. I I got MJ on there. Uh, To me, just the run that he had, that six championships, almost back to back. Like you know, he takes the time off, but every year that Michael Jordan had an All Star on his team, he won a championship. So. Just let that sink in. Every time he had an all-star with him, he won a championship. Uh, Like you said, man, Simone Biles, I feel that she gets overlooked at times in this whole Mount Rushmore and GOAT discussion. Like, she's the best gymnast by far. Like, it isn't even close. And I feel that if you look at just her and what she's done in her career, as far as the level of dominance, I feel that she's further away from the field than anyone else in their particular sport. She's further away from the field than MJ is. She's further away from the field. And to me, Tiger, you know, she's further away from the field than Tom Brady. So hats off to Simone. I do have Tom in there. You get seven of those things in the NFL, man. It's it's so difficult to win a Super Bowl, man. The NFL, to me, has the most parity in any sports league. And so to get seven of those things – to to win yeah. with Bill Belichick. Who, I want to redo mine. I, I think I'm gonna put Tom in there. But... Nah, man. Nah, keep it. Nah, ain't no. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. I no. think I'm gonna put Tom over Tiger, man. You gonna put Tom over Tiger? Yeah, but yeah, man. Tom, seven bro. of those things in the NFL, like it's so difficult to get one. It's so difficult with the way the parity in the league. Then you go and he did the whole LeBron thing. He goes from being in the AFC and dominating all those years to going in the NFC and going through the NFC and winning it just all right, like hold LeBron. on, hold on. We're not going to do this. I'm not going to let y'all do this with Tom. And all of Tom Hive, y'all can kill me. I already killed me on Instagram. I don't even kill no more. We're not about to act like Tom wasn't gift wrapped the game against the Saints. We're not about to act like he proved what your hate is. No, (laughs) No, man. No, we're not doing this, bro. We're not doing this. We're going to do this. We're going to keep it real. I'm not going to discredit Tom. He got seven rings. But we're not about to act like, you know, that that Green Bay game where he threw three picks and Green Bay couldn't score off any of those turnovers. You know, if anything, even in this Super Bowl, if they could have gave the MVP trophy – to anybody, it should have that that front seven should have split it. That entire defense should have split it. But they was like, okay, Tom threw three touchdowns, no picks. We we'll get to him. 
We're not about to act like Tom. Yeah. I'm not trying to discredit. I mean, it sounds like Tom hate. It's, it but does. We have to look at this it really does. No, we have to look at this realistically, though. And if we're not ready to have this conversation, we can move. No, on. let's have it. No, we're, we're having, having this conversation. Yeah. So we're not about to. So, 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 Let me say this. I'm not saying that Tom Tom doesn't deserve credit. Let me finish. Yeah. That, that's not what I'm saying. He did quarterback the play, quarterback the team, and even my team, ironically, it proves that we made, that's the only thing we were missing. It, this is probably the best team, that Saints team we had in the past decade, but we saw a deteriorating quarterback that couldn't lead the, lead the pack. But at the same time, you know, Tom is giving a lot of credit and, and saying that, okay, he got this seven ring. Yeah, he did get it. But it's it's like he won it by himself a century. No, 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 no. And and that's not the argument. This is what I think you have to look at as well. And this is where part of the argument comes from me, is the impact that you can have on a franchise. So don't get me wrong. Some of those pieces were already there. But just by the association of Tom Brady, other pieces wanted to come there. Other pieces wanted to join. Other pieces wanted to be a part of that. So I do agree with you. There were moments where it wasn't vintage Tom Brady in the playoffs, but his overall impact of who he is and who those players in the league see him as, he went to that franchise, and we know it was kind of a middle-of-the-pack franchise before that, and his identity is what caused other guys to want to come there. So just like you talk about LeBron coming to L.A., and then you have an Anthony Davis who now wants to be a part of that and who wants to join LeBron. That's what I'm talking about as far as as impacting him going from one conference to the other. It's not so much of, hey, he dicing them up 500 yards every single time. It's the total impact and the presence of who he is as a winner. And then you look at the the – and then you look at it kind of like even dating back, you know, to there was a couple. I mean, I know that being part of being good is being lucky as well. You know, you look at Atlanta, how they just wet the bed like that with a, with a huge lead and, and let that happen. That's part of Tom's legacy and that's part of his greatness that he was able to lead them back. I, I'll give him that. And then you look at um, uh, even when they played, was that the Seahawks? And Pete Carroll decided to yeah. throw the ball on the one-yard line instead of giving it to the guy that got you down there. Was there. And Marshawn Lynch at the one and throws a pick. We very well could be looking at Tom in a different light if those things didn't happen. So part of being good is being lucky. Part of being good yes. is being lucky. But I think that we can't look past the fact that that, that like, you, like we just said, ironically, everything we say, that's how you know we're telling the truth. We're guys that evaluate these games and look at these games. And when you look at these playoff runs, Ramon, I'm not about to let you say that Tom Brady dominated the NFC this year. I'm not. I didn't say that. that. I, did. I never said that. You said no. You said I, it's like LeBron. You said like LeBron dominated said, the East and he came no, to the West I, and dominated say, the West. I, I never said dominated. I said just like LeBron won in the East, came over to the West and won. I said Tom Brady. Literally, I factually, dominated. I literally, I, I never said dominated. Literally, Tom Brady factually I'm gonna was in to the it. AFC. Good thing we got recordings. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna listen to this back. Listen to it back. So, Tom Brady me, was literally factually winning in the AFC. He comes to the let, NFC let and he wins. That's a fact. <laughs> like that's not right. a. That's a fact. And I just and, like, can't you, believe I you just, can talk let about let those little this. moments. But yeah, let Lowe's jump in. Let Lowe's jump in. No, I mean, again, I, I see what Rob's saying, but again, you can pretty much say with any playoff run that, hey, it was at some point the defense had to carry the offense and stuff like that. I am not saying that, you know, Tom Brady did it all by himself. But as Ramon mentioned, Tom Brady has been the uh, dynasty killer in three different decades. He killed the greatest show on turf, Dynasty. That was a dynasty between what, you know, what made me fall in love with the Rams. He killed the Legion of Boom. He beat that team. Again, some luck probably played into that, and they end up getting an interception on the one. And then, obviously, you're looking at – they were talking about the Chiefs going back-to-back -back this year and being one of the most dominant teams and having all their core players. He beat that team. So, you got to give respect to that. He is literally the dynasty killer in the things that he's done in three different decades. How you win a Super Bowl in three different decades? And then you just got to give the respect where it's at. And, yes, the Saints game was gifted to him because Drew Brees' arm is cooked and all that. Great. But you got to look at He has essentially the same team. Green that Bay, too. He had essentially the same team that 
Jameis Winston had, besides obviously A.B. and Gronk and things like that, but he has that same defense, and he was able to lead this team to the playoffs to give them a chance. That's something Jameis Winston couldn't do with the same weapons. He threw 30 interceptions and 30 touchdowns. You know, so again, you have to give him respect for, you know, it was always, hey, Bill Belichick was the reason this man is always going to the Super Bowl. Bill hey, Belichick. I didn't, didn't nah, no, don't do that to either two, because I respect Tom Brady, and I do believe that he's the GOAT. I just don't want to to act, to bypass and act like, okay, you know, because there's some people that's taken a little bit too far with the, with the, with the comments on, on what happened. I'm talking about this year. Like, he added on to his legacy. He added on to his legacy. But he had a lot of help as well. And there was a lot of pieces yeah. there. Now, intangibles, I can't argue. Like, what Ramon said about intangibles and his impact on the team, that's fine. But I'm looking at the game in, in between the, the sidelines. There was a lot of factors that contributed to it. But shout out to him. I'm not going any further because it's going to sound like I'm hating. I'm not. And I know the Tom haters going really, <laughs> to really swarm me. But I don't care. I'm going to call it like it is. You know, I got the platform. Hey, anyway, hey, keep keep it keep it real though. It kind of hurt them winning through our division this year. Winning through our division? Yeah, we won our division. division. I'm saying winning the Super Bowl coming out of y'all division. Man, it is what it is, man. Three, <laughs> we had four turnovers, three picks, man. We still, and then even when when Drew threw all them picks, we still could have won. But Jared Cook won a fumble. I hope I hope that's growing on the team. <laughs> yeah, I'm still hurt about that. But we're gonna move on. Carson Wentz. <laughs> Before you say that, man, during the Super Bowl, I joked with my dad when Tom and them won, and I said, thanks, Jerry Cook. Thanks, Jerry Cook, because basically he gift-wrapped that, but, you know. That's yeah, all yeah, that's what I'm telling you, man. Like, man, it's a different type. But I hate how narratives and – but I guess, you know, it's like you said, I, Ramon, two years, five years from now, nobody going to look at it and, and you know, oh, you know, the Saints, I'm getting drifted him again. Even though that's true, they're going to just say, hey, look, he got seven rings. But – I think that people just, I don't know, people see what they want to see. They love certain narratives, just like they're trying to start the narratives about Patrick Mahomes. They love the kid last year, and then he loses or have his first sort of kind of failure. Now the narrative starting to spin. You know, even with Stephen A., we respect his opinion so much, but to say he'll never be the golden stuff, crazy stuff like that. It's just, I just, you know, I just certain narratives in sports. I know it's the name of the game, and that's the game we choose. But it's just like certain narratives we gotta we gotta quit, man. I'm gonna call it like it is. Let me ask you this: Would you say that the narrative with the Saints is they one of the biggest teams that choke in the playoffs? All right, here we go. Here we go. No, here honestly, we go. honestly, no, man. honestly. All right, all right. Do you think they're one of the biggest teams that choke in the playoffs? No, no, we're not. It, okay. The 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 game against your Rams, the the refs literally missed a blatant pass in the field. I wish we'd had the refs that was rough in the Super Bowl <laughs> ref in that game because you <laughs> the, any Chiefs player sneeze on a player and a flag will be thrown. I, I mean, but no, I mean it's just certain. I think I think it's been a couple of times where we have Marcus Williams choke on the in the Minnesota Miracle. You know, we got straight dominated last year against the Vikings. I give you that. And Drew Brees, Drew Brees is just was terrible. So we lost this year. But I mean, I mean, look, I, I hate, I hate to say it, I hate to interrupt you, bro. But the case that you just saying, I'm just thinking of all those moments. The Rams is really your only breather there. Everything else you just said, choke, 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 choke. But the Rams is really your only breather. When you say choke. That literally Marcus Williams, that one play, he choked. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole team as a whole didn't choke. I mean, we basically essentially won the game. He missed a tackle. He choked. Now he on the team, man. So y'all team. Drew Brees didn't choke. Drew Brees just don't have the ability. I don't think he choked. I just don't think he has the ability. So that's why he threw three picks. You know, I like you I, I, I let's, to the playoffs and suck. <laughs> let's, let's let's change the term from choke to just underperform, y'all. All right, look at him. How about y'all? This y'all first year making the playoffs, and how long? Hey. <laughs> it is what it is. We, we're talking about the Saints right now. <laughs> this is a Saints podcast. And your Rams? Did your Rams choke against the Seahawks? No, we beat them. I mean, not just against the Seahawks, against <laughs> the Packers. Yeah, we absolutely got dominated. But I can admit that. I can admit that. You know what I'm saying? I did it. 
Yeah. You I, we choked against the Vikings last year. We did choke against the Vikings. What about the Kyle Rudolph push-off and all that? Maybe nah, that, well, let me the ask you question. probably the, the most unluckiest team when y'all get to the playoffs. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. <laughs> he like, oh, it don't sound as bad. I just always get it in up with this. But anyway, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. It's been reported that the Eagles are ready to move on from him. We've seen reports. Me and Carlos actually joked on it on Twitter about the Philadelphia Eagles are asking for too much for Carson, and teams are saying that they're not even going to counter until the price is lower. And I joked with him. I was like, man, that sounds like one of our fantasy trade discussions. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know what kind of package – Philly's expecting to get. Are they expecting to get the Stafford package? Because I don't see that happening. Right. Right. So the rumors are that they're looking for two first round picks for the Matthew Stafford package. Again, I first what came out, you can kind of tell um, you know, who's getting the stuff. You know, who's who who the Eagles leaking the information. The first reports was kind of, hey, they're gonna show the Rams how to get rid of a huge contract and a bad quarterback. You know, they're gonna wait and hold off and do that. Now they've been leaking, hey, they're holding off till they get a fair offer. So which means that they're not getting anything that they like right now. I don't see how after the year that Carson Wentz had, Carson Wentz had, you know, and bench for Jalen Hurts, you know, who looked like a broken quarterback who hasn't been right since his injury um, during that Super Bowl year with his huge contract and his cap hit that's come along that they expect to get two first-round picks, you know, stop it. You know, there's no way. Some idiot team out there that takes that so big, but I don't see them getting the cards, uh, the Matt Stafford deal. Um, you know, he just hasn't performed enough to do that. Uh, and he just – he looks like a broken quarterback right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. Uh, I hate to see it, man, because – you already know the two teams that are mentioned right now the most are the Bears and, and my Colts. Um, and so, you know, I haven't really been a big Carson Wentz guy. I'm not saying that he, he can't figure it out, can't be rehabbed, but it, it's not one of those ones where, you know, I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat and waiting for this Carson Wentz deal to get done. Well, of course, we do know the Frank Reich connection of uh, Frank Reich being his offensive coordinator there in Philly. Uh, for those years, for a few years, especially the season where Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate. So you can see that level of comfort be there. And so that's why, of course, us being in need of a quarterback, when I'm saying us, I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts, you can see us being one of the teams that's being mentioned. But uh, the the market just isn't going to really be there for a big-time deal. I mean, to me, they would be blessed if they even got a first rounder, honestly, for him. Like, if y'all, if they got one first rounder, that's a huge win to me. So, right. you know, we'll so see seen, how it shakes out. Right. I've seen rumors that, you know, the Colts are actually offering their first. I think it's what, like the 2021st right now, that mm-hmm. they were offering that pick. But I don't see if that's the deal. And I am the Eagles. They're really, right now, they're backed into a corner. You, they know that Carson Wentz is not happy with the team. You know, they know they had Jalen Hurts, and he was benched for Jalen Hurts sitting in the wings. I don't see how you can bring Carson Wentz back to that situation. He hasn't met with the new um, uh, head coach yet. He hasn't done any of that. So, I mean, the writing's on the wall with him with that team. It's just a matter of time who's going to pull the trigger and who's going to send the best deal. I know what they're doing right now. They're just waiting to see if, you know, they can get people to bargain against each other and, get his stock up but right now these teams are smart they see they watch football like we watch and see that he's not you know hasn't been a great quarterback in over a year and a half so you know again like you mentioned if they're able to get a first rounder they should pull that trigger right now and just live with the results and roll with Jalen Hurts because again they have they have the sixth pick because if you remember they um decided to pretty much throw that game to fall into that top six pick so they may get a nice quarterback that fall to him, a Justin Fields, um, a Wilson. You know, they may get those guys fall to him at fall to them at six if Jalen Hurts is not their guy. Yeah. And and if they do in fact, you know, on the other end, if they do in fact believe in Jalen Hurts, why not get him two weapons in that first round? You have the sixth pick, you have a a, a good a talented wide receiver class out there. 
you passed on Justin Jefferson last year, which was an epic fail. Mistake. Uh, epic mistake right there. And so why not go ahead and two, if you decide that, hey, we are going to believe in Hurts. Now, I can see it your way as well, Los, of you investing in that quarterback there. But if you do believe in Hurts, go get him two weapons within that uh, first round. And like we said, if you get a first round pick for Carson Wentz after the season that he just had, that's a win. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's happening. And then it's amazing that they are willing to trade him, understandably so, uh, ability wise. But they paid that man some money, so that man that's a big contract that a team would have to inherit, not knowing what they're gonna get. Are you gonna get the the MVP candidate type Carson Wentz pre prior injury? Are you gonna get the the dud that he's been in Philly? But Philadelphia is in a good position with that six pick. And, like, I agree with Ramon. I, I, I think they should go after some weapons there and, you know, and just take what you can get for wins. I mean, I think even if you can get some second, third-round value, there's value there because it's, it's supposedly supposed to be a deep draft. So, I mean, I, I do think that there's value later in the draft that they could also get for, for wins if they're trying to get him off the roster because I feel like Jalen Hurts may be their guy. And I think that that they that they think that they that he's their guy. They should go ahead and get him. So I think that that's a wrap, man. I, I wanted to really kind of touch on our situation with the Saints, uh, Sean. This is a story. I'm not doing it because it's my Saints. It was a story where Sean Payton did an interview and he said that he likes what they see in Jameis Winston, and we may be moving forward with him. Uh, I want to joke you, you guys' thoughts on it, and then I'll give my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason when you look at the QB uh, movement that's going to happen. So, you know, I, I think if you are able to afford him, he has the weapons there, and I think you guys should do it. But the, the rumor is that the Bears may just, you know, overpay for him just to get him on their team. Right now, obviously, they don't have a quarterback there. You know, they didn't uh, pick up the option. On um, I can't. I'm drawing a blank on the quarterback. Oh, Trubisky. Trubisky. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Um, they didn't pick up the option on him, so um, they're looking. They're in the quarterback market right now, and I don't see them rolling out with Nick Foles and saying, "Hey, this is our starting quarterback going forward." So they're going to be in the market. And they have the money to throw it back at them. So that's the only worry I have. The Saints. I'm glad that I think it was very strategic for Sean Payton to come out and say, "Hey, we want this guy." you know, right now. So, hey, maybe we can get him back here. I don't know if he comes back with how when he was – when Drew Brees went down, you guys decided to go elsewhere. I don't know if he wants to play that game again. So, it'll be interesting to see how he feels about that going forward. And, and that's my biggest thing on it. And, you know, I've said it some podcasts ago, is that, you know, if you saw that in this guy and you really believed in him in that way, why did you sit him when Drew Brees was injured and not play him and not start him? Uh, so that's been my biggest thing. It's very convenient to come out, like Los is saying, to play the game and say, you know, to say this stuff, to get him to stay around now because you want that QB room uh, to be full just in case, of course, you know, we believe that Drew Brees will retire. So it's very convenient to say it now. But to me, I mean, throughout the course of the season, of course, we don't see everything that happens behind closed doors. But you didn't show the confidence in the season to say, hey, this is the guy. We believe in this guy. So that's my biggest issue with it. I think that the Saints, by all means, should invest in it and, and try to make Jameis the guy going forward. So I definitely agree with that point. But I think that they didn't do the right thing throughout the course of the season with the way that they didn't play him when Drew went down. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree 100%. I don't think – I, I would have really liked to see James Winston in that spot with, with uh, Drew down to see what we really have um, instead of putting in a gadget player like Taysom in that, in that role, which proved that he's not the guy. So I think that just Sean Payton understands – it, it kind of was – I look at it as like a cat and mouse type of game. I think that uh, we, under the table, we probably are going to try to make a move at Deshaun Watson, even if it's not publicly known. But you have to think that Mickey's going to try to throw his throw us in there. I don't know what that's going to look like because we our cap space is terrible and we don't have many assets going forward. So I would be interested to see. But – uh, it's, it's kind of like the Lakers in our front office. I don't underestimate them. We might we might pull uh, pull something out of our hat. Who knows? But you know, I, I think you know we, we ultimately I would feel comfortable moving forward with Jameis just to see where he is. He had the eye surgery. 
Uh, he did. He he has a great QBR in the playoffs, like from my mentioned last podcast. So I mean, I, all jokes aside, though, I, I think that James deserves a shot. And you know, if we we James is pretty young, I, I like the idea of, of starting him out young, seeing what we got. I think Sean Payton does well with quarterbacks, obviously. So, you know, I, I would like to see Jamison. I, I just want to get this out the way early so he can get prepped up. I don't think we should wait around to, to, to name a guy. So I'm hoping Jamison can make that decision pretty quickly so we can make accommodations for him and, and get going on and start on next season. Right. Let me add this last thing, Rob. Um, so I think the best plan for with your cap situation right now is find a way to get Jameis Winston back. You know, obviously you guys have Taysom Hill locked up, you know, at a reasonably good contract for a quarterback, right? But he's really a gadget guy. And draft your young guy, right? You got Trask out there from Florida. You got Kellen Mond out there from Texas A&M. Get you a young guy in there that could flourish and turn into something, given the opportunity if Winston come in and doesn't perform. So I can see y'all going that route. Hey, Winston is our guy going for pretty much, but secretly being a bridge quarterback for whatever y'all end up picking, either first round, second round, or third round, get that young guy to come in and develop him, you know, get him in Sean Payton's hands for the next two or three years if you sign uh, Jameis Winston and make it happen that way. I think that's the smartest move that you guys can do going forward. Well, we won't spend much time there. We can go ahead and get on out of here, guys. I I think that was time well spent. We kind of got into some conversations that we didn't expect to get into, so – we hope that you enjoyed them. Uh, make sure that you follow us on the old underscore bench warmer on all of our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter. That's what we're most active. We're most active on Instagram. So um, we, we got some real cool things that we've been dropping on there uh, as far as uh, NBA player of the week, as far as NBA rankings. We'll have the NBA MVP ladder coming soon. So we got a couple cool things that you can debate about on there. Some sports fans like to debate a lot. Um, we appreciate all the love and support. We appreciate everything that you guys have doing to get our name out there. Please continue to do that. That's by subscribing, passing the word along to a friend. But until the next episode, we're going to get on out of here.